This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on iOS developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average iOS developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the iFreaks link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash iFreaks. This episode of iFreaks is brought to you in part by Postcards. Postcards is the simplest way to allow user feedback from right inside your application. With just a simple gesture, anyone testing your app can send you a postcard containing a screenshot of the app and some notes. It's a great way to handle bug reports and feature requests from your client. It takes five minutes to set up, and the first five postcards each month are free. Get started today by visiting www.postcard.es. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 94 of the iFreak Show. This week on our panel we have Alondo Brewington. Hello from North Carolina. Andrew Madsen. Hi from Salt Lake City. James Zuber. Hello from Minneapolis. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Before we get going, I just want to mention really quickly that I am putting together a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, The idea behind it is that I'm I'm trying to find a revenue source that isn't consulting or contracting that will allow me to spend a little bit more time on the shows. And what I've come up with is a video series on Ruby on Rails. The rewards are definitely not Ruby skewed, though. So if you are interested in supporting the shows or supporting me or if you're interested in Ruby on Rails videos, screencasts, then by all means, go check them out. You can find it at devchat.tv slash Kickstarter, and you can get the details there. All right, let's do a show. Should we talk about conferences? Absolutely. You want to hear a joke? Con- yes. Conference Wi-Fi. hi <laughs> It's a joke. Yes, it is. Conference you Wi-Fi are correct, is a joke. sir. <laughs> it's always so bad. And it's funny because I've been to conferences that are at the same venue every year. And they get the same internet provider every year, and they have the same problems every year. And they warn them every year. It's like, you remember last year? Oh, yeah, yeah, we got it covered. Definitely venue-specific. Some places have it figured out. Some groups realize you have to bring in your own Wi-Fi and make it happen. You know, the venue's probably not going to handle a bunch of people on their phones constantly. Well, that's the thing, right, is that, especially at developer conferences, I mean, I show up with a laptop, an iPad, an iPhone, and maybe one or two other Wi-Fi-enabled devices somewhere. Right? So yep. if everybody so does that. Person, that <laughs> yeah, that's me. You download Xcode too while you're at it? I will neither admit to nor deny having downloaded Xcode at a conference. I'm just kidding. If you can get on the Ethernet at WWDC, it's, you can download Xcode, but otherwise you're out of luck. I heard that's uh, pretty fast. Yeah, I think they have local. I, I, I almost think they've got servers local to the building to cache that stuff. Makes sense. So. What conferences have you guys attended? I guess for iOS developers, the the, the big one is uh, WWDC. Unfortunately, I've not won the lottery, and I missed out on the years where it was fairly easy to get a ticket. I've heard those glorious tales. But the ones that I've attended most frequently and most recently are uh, the CocoConf conferences, which is a, a smaller conference that takes place in about, I want to say, between six and nine locations in a given year. 
uh, spread out across the United States. They typically have like seasonal, a group by season. So they'll do like a spring tour, fall tour or whatnot. And they reach, make it pretty accessible to anyone in the United States. The new, my new favorite though, actually is uh, 360 High Dead. I went to my first one last year and I really enjoyed it in Denver. I uh, had a great time. Uh, the Wi-Fi actually was not bad uh, compared to a lot of other locations. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And this year, uh, I just got back two weeks ago in, from DC at the, um, RW DevCon, which is the Ray Winderlich Development Conference, which is a tutorial based conference. And actually, John, uh, physics from, uh, 360 IDF have helped Ray hook that up. And it was a great time. That sounds like fun. It was, it was, it was a lot different than what you normally get in a conference because most conferences, um, at least at this stage, are sort of presenter oriented where the presenter gets up. There's a topic they talk for between 30 to 30 minutes to an hour and a half. And you're pretty much either taking notes or just watching a bunch of slides. Whereas this one was tutorial driven. And so there was about maybe five minutes of introduction before you jump right into a demo. And then you're doing a lab and you're working on the particular area. And then there's a challenge at the end. So you spend about 15 to 20 minutes, you know, trying to push yourself at the very end. And that hands-on approach I found just phenomenal. That sounds really cool. What about you guys, you other guys? What, what conferences have you attended? I've been to WWDC a couple times and I went to CocoConf in the fall, last fall in Las Vegas. CocoConf actually did a, a one day conference here in the fall of 2013. Here being in Utah, it was actually up in Ogden called Coco Slopes. And I attended and, and spoke at that. To be honest, the couple of years I went to WWDC, that was sort of my budget for time and, and for money for conferences. And I'm now really sort of now that WWDC is for all intents and purposes impossible to go to. I think I, I want to start trying to go to more of the smaller conferences. I heard really good things about the Ray Wenderlich conference that was a couple of weeks ago. A friend of mine actually spoke there. He's a writer for the site, and he said it was a lot of fun. went really well. Is that friend of yours someone I know? Yeah, it's Jake. Yeah, that's he, come, he comes to Cocoa Heads. Yeah. What about you, Jane? So, like Alondo, I missed out on WWDC last year, but I did fly out to San Francisco, so I just hung out at Allcom and you know did that, and you're at least around the area, so... That's a free one that you can go to if you don't have the magic ticket. That's actually how I met Alondo, taking a side. If you go to San Francisco, there are a couple scents that you're not really used to smelling. It's might be a little <laughs> bit risque for a, for a podcast. The, fir- the, first, the first one is urine, which, okay, urban area is used to it. But the second one uh, smells like the guy in college with all the Bob Marley posters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that so smell! So like, on the street corner, I was like, "Wait a minute, where am I? I'm not in Colorado." Yeah, I would walk out, and I I just get a big whiff of 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 weed. Let's just say it, and you're not used to smelling that on the street. And I, I look around, and I had an odd look on my face, I'm sure. And I look around, and Alano had the exact same look on his face, <laughs> like, "What is happening here?" <laughs> yeah, so, really. So, but yeah, uh, Alcoff was a great time. You can go and just see all the things that are happening around that area. Talk to a lot of people in the area and, you know, be a part of it. So that's definitely recommended. I also did more local regional conferences. Mobile March is one that's held in Minneapolis every year. I spoke at it last year. I went to that conference, which happens in the summers in Wisconsin Dells. So it gets area people from Minneapolis, you know, Milwaukee, Madison, Chicago, that area. That's not a real mobile heavy conference, but had a decent mobile track. We had some people that were on our show speaking there. I spoke there. 
So that's kind of the upper Midwest. But I think, yeah, the for iOS specific conferences, Orlando went over the big ones, CocoConf, 360i Dev, and now the Ray Wendelik one. It's interesting because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coming from the Ruby community. I haven't actually made it out to any of the iOS events. And, you know, I go to Cocoa Heads when I can make it. But, you know, they have a lot of regional conferences in the Ruby community. And I'm wondering if, you know, kind of a, a I don't know, a, a redo or another round of mobile related conference out here in Salt Lake. It's just kind of a smaller conference would go over. But, uh, yeah, so my conference experience, I've, I've spoken at several conferences and attended several conferences all the way up to the larger uh, multi-track conferences like RubyConf and RailsConf. And then, you know, all the way down to, you know, just the local regional conferences. In two weeks, I'm going to Mountain West JavaScript Conference, which is the 3rd and 4th of March. And then I'm going to NGConf, which is the 5th and 6th of March. And then I'm going to Mountain West Ruby Conference, which is the next week, the 9th and 10th. So I get the weekend off. But uh, that's kind of crazy stuff, and all those are in Salt Lake City. But yeah, so most of my conferences are web development conferences, not mobile development conferences. But I, I definitely love to get a, a mobile conference out here. I think that would be awesome. And you bring up a good point too, because I was thinking about sort of now there are the, the sort of the standard, you know, iOS dev conferences and the holy grail, you know, getting a ticket for dub uh, dub. But is anyone else going to the mobile conferences? I, I did go to Dev Nexus two years ago, and it was more of a Java-focused conference, so it was mostly Android. I mean, there was a little mention of iOS. I was just curious if anyone else had actually experienced that as well and what that was like. I, I haven't experienced but experienced it myself, but I've kind of gotten the feeling that the, the mobile development groups, the mobile development, you know, that are selling themselves as mobile development tend to be kind of Android focused. And I don't know why that is, but it seems like maybe the, the iOS community sort of does things as a, as an iOS community. And then this other community tries to include everyone, but really that means all the other people, which is mostly Android developers. So I've kind of seen that myself. There's actually a group here in Salt Lake called the Utah Mobile Developers Group, ostensibly there for all mobile development, but definitely seems like it's mostly Android developers. Yeah, it was a, just a different feel. I, I was, you mentioned the cost and time. I think that's one of the constraints for people going to conferences. If I had my druthers, I'd go to conferences all the time. I, that's what I do for a living, but I just don't have the budget and the time for it. I really enjoy being there, but I think you do have to sort of plan your year around it. And if you're an independent dev or your company is not really spending money for you to go to conferences, you have to be pretty selective. Um, I had a conversation about this uh, with someone recently. What would you consider sort of like the things that you would look for to get the most bang for the buck in a conference that if you had to pick a single one or maybe, you know, at most two in a year? Hmm. For me personally, I actually kind of like the idea of a smaller focused conference. So when I say that, I mean, I'm not that interested in like mobile development because it's too broad. I think the smaller conferences like CocoConf, the, the one I went to in Las Vegas, I think there were probably only 60 or 70 people there. It was very focused, of course, on, on iOS and Mac development. And the small number of people meant that you could talk to, I mean, maybe not everyone, but most everyone. You could certainly talk to anyone you wanted to talk to and got to meet some people that I kind of already knew from following on Twitter and people that I didn't know, but kind of know of. And it, it was really cool. So, and, and I would say that it's actually the social aspect of the conferences that I'm most interested in. The technical content is great, but I don't feel like that's quite as exclusive to a conference. There's lots of technical content on blogs and that you can just find by looking around podcasts, for example. You can't really meet people in person any other way than 
going and meeting people in, in person. So I, I really like that chance to socialize. I completely agree. That's one of the big things that I really get out of conferences. That said, I mean, I have put on a, an online conference and that eliminates a lot of the barriers as far as like costs and travel go. But yeah, I mean, podcast movement, which was a podcasting conference for podcasters, it really did have that feel. And it was really just nice to hang out with people that I had gotten to know on Twitter or at other conferences and take advantage of the opportunity to, you know, to get to know some folks in a more intimate setting, that is. Yeah, that makes sense. At the good conferences, at least, the hallway conversations are easily or more valuable than the presentations because the presentations are meant for it's a general audience. One person talks, explains things. But if you get in the hallway, talk to people next to you, you learn a lot. That's a lot of where the value comes from. If it was just going to sit in a room, listen to someone talk, I don't know that I would go to many conferences. But just being able to talk to people that are doing cool things, doing things similar to you, that's a lot of where the value of conferences works comes for me. Yeah, I mean, not only do you, you know, you get an opportunity to go spend some time with, with other developers, they introduce you to new things like having an old fashioned, for instance. So it's always nice. So yeah, I was, I, I think about sort of like my evolution of attending conferences. And when I first started going to iOS dev conferences, I was so into sort of the technical aspects. I would sit and just try to plan for these multi-track conferences, making sure I didn't miss any of these sessions that I wanted to go to. And it was just a huge, Sort of brain dump of information. And now I find that I spend a lot more time just trying to see friends and colleagues and people I haven't seen in a while and, and just catch up. And I'm re- really enjoying the social aspects a lot more than the technical aspects. I, I figure, you know, some certain things I can, you know, I can watch a video or read a blog post or catch up on notes later. So my approach has changed and I'm actually migrating into this phase now where I'm looking to actually start presenting this year as well. So I kind of see it as sort of like when I was green. I was really just sort of technically focused and not so much now. Yeah, I mean, that said, sometimes there are slam dunk sessions that you want to go to. And a lot of times I'll sit in the session and I'll either hack on whatever they're talking about or just take the opportunity to explore that. So as far as the sessions go, in my opinion, I mean, most of them are an hour long, so they really can't show you how to do a whole lot anyway, unless it's a tutorial-based thing where, you know, you're a couple hours in and then you're, you're actually delivering code one way or the other. So for me, it's, okay, is this something that I'm interested in exploring? And if it's not, then yeah, I'm out in the hallway. So I should ask, what is your plan for 2015? That's mostly Alondo since he's, he's the conference guy. <laughs> well, okay, so I started off this year with uh, the RWDevCon, and I really enjoyed it. I will try to attend at least one CocoConf. So there's a request for papers, I believe, coming out pretty soon for 360 IDEV, and I'm going to submit one for that. And I'll try to find another iOS conference to possibly present in later this year. We'll see. Again, as part of that sort of evolution, now I'm looking more to present than I am just to attend. But I definitely don't want to miss conferences like 360 and CocoConf where I do have friends and that I get the chance to see. And I only get to see them once or twice a year. I may even go to AltConf even without the prospect of, of a possible dub-dub ticket as well for the same reasons. That makes sense. So I'm definitely, I've got the first couple of weeks in June marked off my calendar. So when they, whenever we know for for sure, I'll be booking a ticket and getting a place down there. Hopefully I'll have a ticket actually, to the actually, show. Yeah, I've, I've, I've all but given up hope that that's actually going to happen for me. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Just keep throwing it out there. I, well, you know, yeah. I, before well, it was a crapshoot, and now it's literally a lottery. If I do win, I'm going to immediately go buy a Powerball ticket the, the, same, the same day. <laughs> See if lightning I'm, will strike twice, huh? I'm on a roll. Yep. I don't 
have any expectation that I'll get into WWD or get a ticket. And I actually, if I could just be assured of getting a ticket, I'm not sure I would go this year. But I, my philosophy now is that I'm going to apply for a ticket every single year. And then maybe once every couple decades, I can go. Yeah, I spoke to someone who actually went a couple of years ago and they actually made an interesting point. And it was kind of like the same thing that someone told me about Oktoberfest. And they said that go one time, but once you've done it once, really, that's all you need to do. Yeah, unfor- so I've actually been twice, and I, I agree. I think the unfortunate thing is that in the old days, because everybody that wanted to go could get a ticket, you had a consistent group of people there, and it was a pretty small community of, uh, at the time, Mac developers. And so you, you went because it was this social occasion where you got to meet people that you maybe only saw once a year that were spread around the country. And, and also at that time, the technical content was exclusive, so they didn't post the videos online for everybody to download the same day. You couldn't see the sessions unless you went so it's changed it's it's really quite a different proposition now it, it it is an experience and i certainly think people should go once if they can just to experience it i mean being in waiting in line for the keynote and and seeing the keynote and just being there with the, with 5000 other people that are kind of like-minded is is a fun experience but it's not something you have to do right you can watch the videos online and you can't be guaranteed that you're even going to get to meet people you know because you're probably the only one of your friends that managed to get a ticket if you get one but i i actually went to a small it was i didn't go to all of alt comp but i kind of hung around it a little bit and had a friend that was there the last time i was there which was in 2013 that um volunteered and was there for the whole conference for alt comp and um, I think that's a great option. I hope that doesn't get crowded out too, but uh, I think they did a really good job and it's kind of a completely different feel, but you're still there in the city at the same time and definitely worth going to. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it's my first time going out in San Francisco and spending time at AltConf and just from the sheer amount of change with iOS 8 and the introduction of Swift, the energy was so high. I mean, even not being in Moscone, you could just feel it. Um, as they were making announcements, you were going through the keynote um, at all that it was just great to be in the same city. It's almost like when the Super Bowl's in town, you know, even if you have tickets to the game, you just want to be in the same town because there's so much going on. So yeah, definitely. What, what, how, do you, how is it different from just another conference experience? Well, the whole city is taken over by, I mean, not, not the whole city, but the whole downtown. I mean, everybody is there because they're Apple developers. There's uh, 5,000 people there for WWDC, 1,000 Apple engineers, and, you know, you can tell because they're wearing badges or their jackets that they got and, or whatever. So, yeah, it's kind of a, the whole downtown of San Francisco is sort of full of this buzz of people that are there for the same reason. And there's no iOS conference, that, the independent iOS conference that's even a tiny fraction of that size. It's huge. Agreed. I mean, it's just a walking down the street and seeing people whose like blogs you read or, or podcasts you listen to or things like that. It was just really, really interesting. I'd never encountered that before. Uh, John Gruber does live taping of the talk show. That's fun. You see just people that you, you recognize that are kind of famous in the, in the community that are there. And a lot of them are not even attending WWDC. They're there just to meet up and be there for the announcements and everything so it's a lot of fun and, and then the other thing about being in san francisco for wwdc is there are a whole bunch of parties and meetups and things that are organized in the evenings that you don't have to have a wwdc ticket to go to so you can certainly participate in those i mean there's still sort of this problem of just thousands of people descending on the city but those can be pretty cool and fun and a good way to socialize too so if you plan it right your food budget for the week is zero <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, GitHub's having a meetup. Great. 
So when we're talking about the size, though, so like one of the things that I think is interesting, though, is the value of some of the smaller, more regional conferences and what you can get out of them. I'm looking now even to find conferences that aren't necessarily as technically oriented, but some that may be around the business of app development, things like that. I know that there was one, I'm trying to remember the name of it, that I think it took place in Canada, and there might have been another one in the States, but I don't know if either one of those are still going on. Does anybody know about, um, I think one is Singleton, and then the other one I'm drawing a blank on. Yeah, I can't think at the moment, but I, I should look up a list, because there are a number of conferences that we haven't talked about, including some in, in other countries. Uh, I think there's one in Ireland. Yes. Every year. The name is not coming to me, though. Is it Ool? That sort of sounds right. I'm waiting for the day that I have, like, a, a top. Yeah, Ooh, I, I, I suppose you like, say that, Ool, like yes. U-L-L. I think that would be really fun to go to. Because it's kind of this travel opportunity to go to another country, but then you also get to make it a conference thing. And um, I've, I've been to Ireland once and loved it, so I should look for an excuse to go to that. Yeah, my wife and I did that with Aloha Ruby Conference. And so we went out to Hawaii and spent a couple extra days on the beach and at the Polynesian Cultural Center and stuff. And so, yeah, it is definitely a travel opportunity. Most of the cities I wind up going to, she's like, mm -hmm, have fun. But I said Hawaii and she said, I'm coming. So. Oh, really? <laughs> Why? Perfect. Tax-deductible vacation. So are travel arrangements a major concern when you pick the conferences you're going to? It depends. i got to say, I've, I've done it various ways. For instance, for conference like AltConf, of course, I did the plane trip and rental car or Uber. For this last conference, for the RW DEFCON, I happened to live pretty close to a train station. So I actually took the Amtrak train to D.C., and it was perfect because the Union Station was a couple of blocks from the hotel where the conference was, and it made it dead simple to get there and get in and get out and not have to deal with traffic or any of the other issues, you know, no lines for TSA or anything like that. So, And I've driven to other ones. Like, I'll typically drive to a Cocoa Comp or something like that. So I think it just depends on how far you are and how far you're willing to travel for a particular conference. The airline stuff, of course, can be a hassle depending on the connection flights and things like that, though. I don't know if I could spend a week on the train like that. Those Amtrak trains go so slow. I'm sorry, I'm exaggerating a little. No, you're not, because I did the train trip all the way out to Denver, and each train, each way, the train each way was a, at least four hours behind, and the return trip, I actually had the fun of a fire on the train and had to get off, so that was... No kidding. <laughs> wow. It's like the smoke was coming up from the car in front of me, it was a dining car, and I'm just like, that's not good. Alondo, you have the coolest stories. <laughs> for me, for the smaller conferences, travel is not a huge deal. I mean, I don't really care that much if I fly, or I drove to Coco Comp in Las Vegas. I actually drove to WWDC the first year I went, because I took my wife, and we kind of made it a trip. But but I will say that for the big one, WWDC, travel is not such a big deal, but accommodations are. And you, as soon as you find out you're going, you buy a, 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 or you reserve a hotel room, because they go really fast, and they're expensive, too. The cheap places go faster. So that one is a little bit hard to you know, you, you need to make sure you've got a place to stay. You can't show up and find somewhere. Yeah, most of the conferences I go to have some kind of official conference hotel. It's either the venue's in the hotel or you're pretty darn close. And so I usually just stay there. Right. And sometimes they have discounts, you know, yeah. like a discounted rate. Apple actually does some partnership with hotels where they, they have discounted rates during the conference. But I think those usually go quite fast. The two years I've gone, I bought my ticket and then immediately found a hotel room like within minutes because I didn't want to get pushed out somewhere far away. 
Now, how, yeah, I was wondering about that because I actually managed to stay with my coworker who actually got a ticket to Dub Dub and I just slept on the floor. Um, I don't think I'll have that luxury this next year because of the chances of us, one of us getting a ticket. Um, are people coming in from a long way away or is it just sort of you find a hotel and just, you know, as close as you can get to Moscone or what? I just have found hotels as close as I could get to Moscone. I, I, I actually, the, both times I've gone, I've stayed somewhere kind of up, you know, on Union Square. But I like I have one friend that, that knows somebody and he stays somewhere kind of far away in San Francisco and then takes a taxi in or whatever in the morning. But it's I think much better to try to find somewhere where you can just walk to the conference in the morning because it starts pretty early. And, you know, a lot of times you want to leave in the middle of the day and go back to your room or whatever, go back afterward to get ready for dinner. And it's not convenient if you've got to travel half an hour each way. Yeah, you can do it both ways. Last year, I was a little bit late to deciding I was going to all comp and I went on Airbnb and found a place up in Russian Hill. It's a few miles away. Uh, walkable, but it's a long walk. So I definitely would have liked to get back and forth a little more easily, but it was, it was fine. You know, I, I got up early because I'm on Central Time, so I'm two hours ahead of everyone else. So I got up early, walked a couple times all the way down there. So saw a little bit of the city, but definitely if you can, be able to drop your laptop off before going to the after-hours events. It's valuable. But, you know, not paying $300 a room a night, that's valuable too. You balance it out. Yeah, and the rooms have only gotten more expensive. The first year I went, I think I only paid 150 a night, which wasn't actually that bad, but I couldn't find a room that cheap the second time. Yeah, I was hearing prices, you know, in the 300s uh, when I was there. We actually stayed in Tenderloin, so I did walk a little ways. In fact, I looked, I was using the uh, motion chip on my iPhone, and I was the most steps I'd taken <laughs> still to this day that week of WWDC. Yeah, be ready to walk a lot. And if you want to, well, if you have a ticket and you want to go to the keynote, be ready to get up super early and stand in line if you want to get in and get a good seat anyway. That's right. It's it doesn't true. count if you can't smell Tim Cook, right? Well, the thing is, the room where they do the keynote, it is not big enough to hold everybody that's at the conference. I think it maybe holds about 3,000 people and there are, you know, 5,000 plus conference attendees. And of course, part of that room is reserved for Apple employees and press and VIPs and that kind of thing. Well, not, not just part of it, like a huge chunk of it. So even if you're the first person in line, you're still not going to be front row. You're a ways back. But if you're late getting in line, you won't even get into the, the main hall. They have overflow rooms where they have screens, but it's a cool feeling to be in the room with Tim Cook and everybody else presenting. So if you want to avoid the madness of Dub Dub, getting all the your flight and you know $300 a night hotel rooms, and you're thinking about Coco Comp 360i Dev, which one would you pick and why, if you had to pick one? Oh, man. So if you asked me that before I'd gone to 360i Dev last year and have done the men, I would have said Coco Comp easily would have been hands down. But I had such a good time at 360i Dev. It's, it's a different experience, and I like the size, and I just like the interactions I was able to have. Um, they did a men conference in Greenville, um, last year as well. And that was only about 80 attendees, I think. And that was really nice as well. So I gotta say, and, and I still love Coco Cough, but I, I've gotta give the edge to 360i Dev right now. I've never been to 360i Dev, but I've heard, I've never heard anything but great praise like that for, from people who have been. So it just seems like they do a great job, but I love Coco Comp. I think the family who runs Coco Comp, the Kleins are, Really nice, good people, very friendly, and just I admire them, and I think that they do a great job. So it's probably hard to go wrong between those two. Um, I did a little looking 
real quick to refresh my memory, but there's also NS North up in Canada that I've heard good, good things about, and then they do NS Comp in the UK every year, and that's actually coming up in about a month. So there are other conferences that are not so US-specific, um, but a lot of the same speakers. I think a lot of Americans travel to those conferences to speak. So, and, and, and I actually think that brings up a point, which is there's actually sort of this group of people who do the conference circuit and a lot of these conferences will have the same you'll see some of the same people at coco dev or coco conf as you would at 360 idev and the other conferences agreed i i definitely i think as you said that it's between those two conferences it's great and and you do will see a lot of the same people although there's a slight change in the last year as some of those people have gone to apple so (laughs) some of the people in a rotation so there's like room for new people and one of the things i you know is my goal for this year is to be able to present at those Andrew, you mentioned you presented at conferences. I, I was curious about that experience of how do you prepare and sort of get in that queue? What what does it take to be accepted? Well, I, I presented at Coco Slopes, which was a, a, like a mini Coco Comp that Dave Klein and his family did here in Utah. They, I can't really remember exactly. Somebody asked for local speakers, so it was kind of not a. I wasn't competing with the big guys, I guess you'd say, but I've spoken a lot at Coco Heads. And so I really, I mean, my approach wasn't that much different, except that I just took it more seriously and spent more time preparing and more time practicing and and everything. But um, if you can present, you know, at Cocoa Head, you can present at one of these conferences. It's like a bigger scale, but it's sort of the same thing. And that actually kind of leads into something I wanted to mention, which is go to Cocoa Heads. It's not a conference, but it's sort of like a little mini conference every single month. Yeah. To answer your question, Alondo, um, I've spoken at... Uh, a whole bunch of the regional conferences. I've also spoke at RubyConf. And ultimately what you have to do, it comes down to if they have a call for papers or a call for proposals, um, you want to write a proposal that is really compelling, that makes them want to pick your talk. The big points are that I've learned over the years is initially I didn't want to give away the whole talk, but you can give it away to the organizers. You can say, okay, here's kind of the outline. Here are the things I want to cover. Here's Here are the outcomes I want people to have. Make sure that your title or headline is solid and interesting. So it, it can't just be, you know, UI table views. But, you know, you can, if there's a problem that, that you're going to cover that a lot of people have with UI table views or, um, you know, you're trying to inspire people to adopt a particular development practice or something, you know, then you put something intriguing in the title and then you, in the description that goes into the program, you want to make that to where you you give them as much information as you can so that the right people come to your talk. And then it also helps if you know people who are organizing the conference. But those are the major things. And you also have to understand that depending on the conference, they may get hundreds of proposals and may only have a dozen or two spots. And so if they are basically selecting, you know, 10% of the talks, then your your talk proposal has to really nail it. And the other thing is, is that different conferences are looking for different talks. So you have to kind of be cognizant of what kinds of talks they're going to want at 360 iDev, for example, versus at CocoConf and where their focus is and who their audience is. And if you can tailor things that way and you can give them something interesting that's going to draw people into your talk, then they'll select you to speak. I think that makes a lot of sense. Creating a conference proposal for a speech is a, could be a topic in of itself. So it's definitely something you can work on and you don't have to have the speech finish before you do a proposal. You can create two or three. And definitely, like Andrew said, start at your local Cocoa Heads. You have an iPhone meetup, anything. 
just get out there and do it. And because yeah. every time you do it, you learn. Like the first time you do it, you feel like an idiot, and maybe you well, are an first, idiot. My first Coco Head talk was about three twenty, so yeah, I felt like an idiot. So, but the second one, you feel like less of an idiot, and then it keeps it going. And but even you get out there, you help people out, talk about something that you're interested in. Someone you're going to help someone out, and yeah. so it's it's very rewarding to just get out there, start doing it. It's also and, a terrific way to meet people because if you give a, a talk that inspires or is compelling, then people will want to come up and talk to you. And yeah, it really works out well that way. One other thing that came to mind as far as talk proposals go is that I helped choose the talks for Mountain West Ruby Conference. And some of the talks were really good as far as, okay, you know, here's what I'm going to talk about. Here's my experience. Here's why I'm the person to give the talk. And here's what it's about. And a lot of them were just really generic. So it's like, okay, it's on topic for the conference, but I don't actually know what you're going to do with the 30 minutes we're going to give you on stage. And so there's nothing here that tells me that I'm going to be excited to see this talk. So if you're not speaking at a conference, what tips have you learned to get more out of a conference if you're just attending? Because I go to a conference, everyone is either talking to someone they know, sticking by them, or have their head in their phones. How do you get more out of a conference? I make it a point to try and meet people. I mean, it, that's a big thing for me is to try to, to meet, you know, I mean, I don't have like a hard and fast rule about like make a new friend every day or something like that. But I definitely try to talk to people that are around me or in between sessions. And usually as for me, the icebreaker is just sort of what topics they may be attend- going to or what they just came out of and what somebody found interesting. Cause usually that's the beginning of a really good conversation. I probably learned something, particularly if it was a session I wasn't able to attend because I was in another one. So that, that would say that's the biggest one. And I've, I've stopped trying to follow and do everything in a particular, I'm not going to get all the information in a session, taking notes and things like that. So I really just try to pay attention to the speaker and just try to get the high points. I think it's helped out a lot and just make, quick notes about reference reference material that I can go back and look at later. Yeah. One other thing that I do is I usually try and arrive uh, the day before the conference if I'm coming into town, and I usually fly out the day after. And that way, the meals, there are always meal breaks. Some conferences provide meals and some don't. But in any case, that way I'm around. So it's like, hey, do you want to go and, you know, grab dinner at whatever place in town or things like that? You know, you can also tweet usually with the conference hashtag and say, hey, we're going to we're going to meet up and and we're talking about, you know, whatever topic is relevant to, you know, because you have a few people that you've talked to that all are interested in, in gabbing about it. And then, you know, so we're going to meet in the foyer in 10 minutes. And so you'll pick up another four or five people and then you all go get Chinese food and talk about whatever it is. And I've made some really solid friendships, if you want to call them that, you know, people that I stay in touch with coming out of some of those things just because it's, it's, hey, we're all getting together, we're all sharing food, and we're talking about tech that we really care about. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. And it depends on your personality. I'm actually not that good at, you know, just going up and talking to people I don't know. But the advice I would have would be to try to get over that and talk to people. Everybody there is, has already has something in common with you. I mean, that's why you're at a conference, right? They're iOS developers or whatever kind of conference it is. So ask them what they do, ask them what they work on, you know, whatever. And in my experience, most people are friendly. So, yeah, the other thing is, is if you're introverted, I have a few introverted friends and the trick that they pull is that they go and their whole goal the first day is to make one friend that they can hang out with. And so then when they show up, they look for the guy that seems to be with a crowd. You know, he may not be the ringleader of the crowd, but he's with the crowd. 
And so they go make a friend with him or her. And then when that guy gets pulled in, hey, we're all going to go to lunch or hey, we're all going to go hack on this thing for a couple hours, then you get pulled along. And then you don't have to get out of your shell more than you're comfortable with and you, you can still be involved. Those are good hacks. Talk to people about the conference. You know, make a friend if you can. Another thing, if you're at an iOS conference, the person you're talking sitting next to is probably an iOS developer. Ask them about what projects they're working on, what frameworks. People love to talk about themselves. And I like to find out what people are doing. You know, I might have read a blog post on some framework. Someone's complaining about it. And if I find someone that's working with the framework, like, hey, did you have this problem? And they can help you out. And that improves your knowledge and, you know, helps you meet the people next to you because most of us are doing similar things and doing cool things so we can learn from everyone. Yeah. Integrating with Apple Pay, what a pain in the neck. Oh, you aren't just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Definitely. Another thing I see people do is hit the Twitter feeds. Does the conference have a hashtag that people are using? You know, start tweeting. Or a you back know, channel IRC. Back channel IRC. A couple of Cocoa conference I went to, and then WWDC, they had glass boards for sort of, you know, back channel talk. But glass board's gone now, so I'm not exactly sure what conferences are going to do. But find out if there's something like that, whether it's a Twitter hashtag or maybe people will use Slack. I don't know. But it's a good way to keep up with stuff that's going on, especially things like, you know, people going out to eat after the conference or activities that people are doing, you know, going bowling or something like that. But it's a good way to be part of the social aspect of the conference. Yep. There's plenty of people there that are, their company had one person they can send and it's that person and they don't know anyone else. So you're not the only person that doesn't know anyone. Yeah. One other thing that I've run into is uh, a lot of times I'll just insist okay, I want to find a local who can take me to the best whatever in town. And if I push a little bit, a lot of times that'll work out. Somebody will know somebody who's a local somebody. And then you can kind of turn that into a social engagement with people. So a lot of conferences have the same format. Someone gets up there and talks, everyone listens. There's another format that can be used called the unconference, where someone may lead the session, but it's meant to be more inclusionary. People in the crowd are meant are supposed to speak up and discuss and kind of create discussions. Now, there's some really good unconferences around. Are there any for mobile, for iOS development? The very first one I went to was in Atlanta, um, but it's not ongoing. In fact, I actually tried to get with one of the local organizers of Cocoa Heads here in Raleigh. We were going to try to put one together. Um, I think that's an awesome idea. I would really like to see some different formats for conferences that kind of break away from the mold of like standard conference presentations and the unconference model, I think would work really well. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what conference it is. The brain power in the seats is better than the brain power on the stage, you know? Yeah. The podcast community has done really well with this, with their uh, pod camps. They're mostly on conferences. Yeah. It was called Coco Camp. I think that's what was the name of it, but that's been like four or five years ago now. And I don't know why it hasn't taken hold. I'd love to see it though. And, and again, I'd like to see conferences around some other issues as well, like uh, marketing of apps and the business of apps and things like that. In addition, just the technical aspects. One of the nice things about RWDEFCON was this, the latter part of the day, there were no technical talks. They were all inspirational talks. And so it was a nice break from diving into watch kid or, you know, adaptive layout or something like that. And really talking about some of the other aspects of development on the platform that I think resonate with people. Yeah, definitely. If you've been seeing hard technical co topics all day, something light at the end of the day makes sense. You know, give my brain a break. Well, and the hard parts in my uh, experience with development a lot of times are the people issues and not necessarily the hard technical topics. 
I mean, you can find a solution to that because it's just tech, but people are complicated. This is true. Along those lines, Daniel Steinberg, who I think is a regular at these conferences, um, spoke at the Coca Comp I went to. He did, I think it was the clo- sort of the closing keynote. And I'm actually usually not much for those kind of presentations. I really prefer technical content. I often find the sort of soft, you know, like inspiring talks just not my thing, but he gave just what I thought was an absolutely excellent talk about the fundamentals were being kind to people and being a good person, but he wove in math and Swift and all kinds of, it was just really well done. So if you go to a conference where he's speaking, make make it a point to see his talks. I will second that. He does an awesome job. Who are your favorite speakers in the iOS space? Jonathan Penn. Oh, his are fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's actually at Apple now, but he is uh, speaking. I can't remember now, but he just um, I just saw that he's actually going to be speaking at a conference coming up here soon, e- even though he's an Apple employee. I, pe- I think he's not going to talk about anything particularly technical because of the restrictions on him doing that. But he's great. I, I actually spoke alongside him. I So I tried out my Cocoa Slopes talk. I, I sort of did a pre-conference practice at, at the Cocoa Heads the month or two before. And he ended up being at our Cocoa Heads that night and filled the other slot, which was a mistake on my part because you can't, there's no way you can match somebody like that's speaking ability. But, uh, so he's, he's great. Daniel Steinberg. Yeah. Those are definitely two of my favorites from the CocoCon circuit. I really did enjoy Martin Holloman's from, uh, the RW DevCon. Um, he did a couple of, of talks and they were really good and, and I thoroughly enjoyed them. It's not a talk, but James Dempsey has a, a band called James Dempsey and the Breakpoints that uh, he writes and sings songs about cocoa development, which sounds funny, but, and it is funny. It's, you know, it's a comedy thing, but he did a performance at Coco Comp. That was fun. That does sound fun. That's it. Instead of starting another podcast, I'll just uh, start a band. I was good. Just write a bunch of Ruby songs and go for it. The other thing that I want to just point out, because we're talking about this, it reminded me, at some of the Ruby conferences, yeah, they would have jam sessions. And so, you know, people would show up with whatever musical instrument they played. I mean, everything from a saxophone to a ukulele and uh, just jam. And, uh, you know, don't discount those social uh, opportunities because they are a lot of fun. They're low pressure and you can really just get to know some folks. That's a great point because when we were talking about sort of breaking the ice and, and not necessarily being the most extroverted person, one of the things I liked about 360 IDEV and uh, something they actually implemented at the RW DevCon were they had a game day. So you had game night at um, 360. And so you could go and either do like a hackathon or you can go to another room and they had a bunch of board games, different games set up. You could play. And it was a great icebreaker and way to get to know people that, you know, midway through the conference. Um, RW DevCon did a little bit differently because they actually had a tournament that took place over the course of the two uh, lunch sessions, which was really nice. And again, it was just a nice way to kind of sit around a table and meet some people over, you know, while playing a game and get to know some other devs and and just uh, have some fun. I think it's a nice touch. All right. Well, I know that some of us had uh, some stuff that we had to get to today, so I'm going to steer us into the picks. Andrew, do you want to start us off with picks? My first pick is uh, has gone around sort of the, you know, the web. But it, it's a long New Yorker article about Jonathan Ive that it is really long. It took me probably an hour or more to read the whole thing, but it's, it's definitely worth reading. It's just an interesting look at Jonathan Ive, the person, and a lot of the design process at Apple and sort of, you know, some about how things have changed since Steve Jobs died. And, and a lot of it's also, 
you know, specifically about the Apple Watch. So it's very much worth reading. And then my second pick is actually, it's going to be a bunch of links, but these are just links to people who have written blog posts about tips for WWDC. So if you're one of the lucky people that gets a ticket, or even if you're not, and you're just going to go to to AltConf or to hang out in San Francisco for the week, these are some good tips for being there and, you know, things to know. So there'll be a few of those links in the show notes. Those are my picks. All right, Jane, what are your picks? All right, I've got one pick. It's a blog post by Carl Brown, who's been on the show at least a couple times. But he wrote up his approach for going to a conference, flying in, maybe not knowing anyone, and how do you meet people? How do you get the most out of the conference by talking to people? So he wrote up his approach, and I give it two thumbs up. All right. Alondo, what are your picks? Uh, one of, well, my first pick is actually, uh, raywinderlook.com. I mean, it's a great, I had a wonderful time at the conference and they have wonderful tutorials on the site. There's actually a blog post there too, as well, about, uh, different conferences, iOS conferences that are available in the year, but it might be a little out of date. I don't know if all those conferences are listed there. And then the second one is 360iDev. It's a great conference. I encourage anyone who's at, who can go, take an opportunity to go. I think they're pretty much deciding to cap the number close to what it was this past year. Um, because I think it's about the, it's reached the perfect size. It's right around 380 people, I think, is what, what were in attendance last year. And it was just, it was just awesome. So those are my two. Yeah, that one's actually in one of the cities that I will drive to instead of fly to, which is, uh, Denver. And it's just because it's just close enough to where when you factor in how long you have to spend in the airport and stuff, it's just not worth it in Salt Lake City. It's not worth flying. All right, um, I've got a few picks here. Uh, it's mostly stuff that I'm working on these days. The first one is that Kickstarter campaign I mentioned at the top of the show. I'm probably just going to mention it for the next few weeks, so go check that out. The second pick is, so I've been working on getting all of the podcast episodes onto YouTube, and what I'm working on there is getting annotations so that uh, all the picks and everything as you watch it, you know, if we mention something that has a link to it, then it'll, you know, pop up and you can just click it and go out to wherever that stuff's at. Also putting together playlists and then collecting information to find out, like, which episode should be in the top ten playlists and things like that. So I've been using FFmpeg, which is an open source MP3 and other audio and video encoder to do that. And I'm really liking YouTube's uh, mechanisms for managing a channel. So I'm going to pick YouTube and FFmpeg. And then finally, I've been working on building relationships around just uh, developer swag. And I may have mentioned it on the show before, but if you go to devboxclub.com, I'm working on pulling together like a monthly subscription for boxes that are sent out to people's houses that have books and t-shirts and desk toys and, you know, just fun stuff, stickers, uh, coupons, all that kind of stuff. So if you're interested in that, go to devboxclub.com and enter your email address. I'm probably going to wait till either I have critical mass on the email list before I start launching it, or I may just open it up to like the first 50 people or something I haven't decided yet. But the first run's only going to be 50 boxes, so I can kind of get a feel for the logistics before I go full scale. And then the last one is I'm also uh, working on Ruby Remote Conf. I had JS Remote Conf uh, last week, and that was a really awesome success. So I'm doing it for Ruby. I've thought about doing one for iOS, and I've had a few people ask me for it. But this podcast doesn't have the same size audience as the other shows do. It's about on the scale of the freelancer show. And so if you would like an iOS uh, remote conference, I'm kind of tempted. Alondo brought it up a couple of times. I'm kind of tempted to do two of them, and one would be a technical conference and one would be a business conference. 
And that's just kind of me thinking off the top of my head on this show. Anyway, if you're interested in that, then send me an email, chuck at devchat.tv, and just let me know that you're interested in the conference. If I get enough people asking for it, then I'll look into putting one together. And those are my picks. Awesome. Plus one. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, wrap up the show. That was a fun discussion, guys. Yes. All right. Yeah, I agree. We should go to a conference as the iFreaks sometime. We should. That's a great idea. Uh, it has been done. I don't have any objection to that. If we wanted to do it at 360 iDev or CocoConf or something, yeah, that'd be awesome. So Could even record a live show. Yeah, that's usually what we do. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd be up for it. I'm for it. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the iFreaks and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a form that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. You can sign up at iFreakShow.com slash form. 